You're listening to Creators in Saigon, a podcast based in the rapidly modernizing city of Saigon, Vietnam. I'm Dana, and together with my co-hosts, Tuesi and Nico, we interview the most inspiring creative entrepreneurs Saigon has to offer on topics about life, relationships, creativity, business, health, and more. We are all coaches specializing in different areas, but our common goal is to inspire you to reach your full potential in these areas and improve the quality of your life. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Maybe we can start with like a wordless way of starting uh, a workshop just so you guys can feel a bit of the vibe. So uh, let's take uh, three deep breaths together. It's a way to channel our energy back to the room today uh, and stabilize our energy. Okay. Yeah. And as you breathe, I would love to ask you to think of a natural phenomenon or an image to describe how you are feeling right now. Okay, let whatever image come up to come up and embrace that representations of your feeling at the very moment. And uh, whenever you're ready, we can open our eyes and share. Anyone want to start first? I already <laughs> feel so relaxed. Yeah. It's uh, perfect. <laughs> I like this way to start a podcast. I yeah. was away. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? Okay, I, guess I thought of a, or I saw a waterfall. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's water everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I see a flower opening up under the sunlight. Ooh. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, nice. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for being on. And I'm so excited to share with the world more about what Wordlist is and who you are, because I've personally been to a few workshops and I always feel so much calmer, so much more like in touch with myself after these workshops. And I try to like tell everyone I know about them and I just want everyone to know about it. So welcome back to Creators in Saigon. Today we have Tran here. Tran is a proud Saigonese with experiences in performing poetry and leading writing workshops in the U.S. She is a firm believer in the power of creative writing, poetry in particular, as an accessible tool to build meaningful connection with oneself and the world. She started Wordlust in March 2020 to roll that belief into action. It's a space where people can explore their truest thoughts and feelings through contemplative and creative practices. Outside of Wordlust, she juggles between being an English teacher, a full-time learner, and a forgetful friend. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. So where did you grow up? I spent most of my time here in the city. Mm -hmm. I was born in... uh, smaller province, mm-hmm. uh, Ginlu, uh, a part Ginyang, which is like a prov- province. But then my family moved here when I was in grade four. Okay. And so when did you go to the U.S.? After high school. I took a gap year between high school and college. And then, yeah, I spent four years studying in the U.S. with w- another gap year between my junior and senior year. Then I worked there for a year and then I just came back. I just moved back home for like a year-ish mm. ago. And which school in the U.S. did you go to? Amherst College in Massachusetts. Oh. 
Nice. What made you want to go to the U.S.? I have only wanted to study somewhere else. I think starting from high school, the learning environment in Vietnam started to feel small for me. And also, I was very lucky to go to a good high school with a lot of other aspirational friends who also dreamed of studying abroad. And I also kind of inherit that spirit, you know, that energy of dreaming big. And so, yeah, I... Yeah. decided to look for some options in the U.S., mostly because of the uh, uh, generous uh, financial aid that they usually offer to international students. And what did you study there? Sociology. Ah, yeah. okay. Nice. Yeah. So when did you start to get more into creative? Do you feel like you were always into creativity and writing and things like that? Or when did that sort of mm. happen? Mm, definitely not when I was in Vietnam. I mean, during from elementary school to high school, I usually have jokingly said that my life is just like a robot, <laughs> which is a function to uh, study and, you know, take tests and get good grades and bring honor to the family. <laughs> And then, but to be fair, those, I think those accomplishments and those motivations allow me to get the scholarship to study abroad. Uh, once I uh, was in the U.S., like, it's like a completely new journey. Now I have to define, okay, what do I want to get out of this education? What's the next um, goal I want to pursue for my my uh, college life? And suddenly, it's, it's, I think college is different from high school in a way that I don't really have a concrete goal to work towards and high school is like okay I my goal is to study abroad in mm. college like oh I don't have a job that I actually dreamed of uh, doing mm. yet and so my college life switched gear to being a lot more exploratory and thankfully I went to a liberal arts college which allowed me to have a lot of options in terms of what I want to study and so I spent the uh first two years trying out a lot of different subjects uh, mm. and just being exposed to a lot of different things. Uh, and one of that is the creative writing class, but for non-majors, uh, where we combine dance with like movement, with writing and education, and you know, just the like, very interdisciplinary yeah, and yeah. untraditional learning space allow me to feel like, oh, creative writing can be actually very accessible to someone who doesn't speak English as a first language like me. And another one is I'm very I was very fortunate to go to a school where there's a strong tradition of spoken word poetry. So every year my school would host one of the largest spoken word poetry show at least like in the northeast region. And so I I got the chance to go to one. I don't remember exactly if it's first year or second year, uh, but being there and being introduced to spoken word poetry was another milestone that changed my relationship to English and also mm. to poetry. Before that, it was something that was very foreign, you know, like I wouldn't be able to understand it. Mm. And that was true. <laughs> I read Shakespeare and I still <laughs> barely understand uh, <laughs> what's happening. But when I went to a spoken word poetry show and I was just in awe of the vulnerability and the courage that each poet show when they share about their life and I I saw myself in their in their mm. in their performance. And I think that is uh, one of the most important things. Like before that, I rarely see myself in any kind of creative writing. Like mm. it's usually something up there abstract. Like it's not about me. But uh spoken word poetry allowed me to feel that oh my story can be represented through this media 
and it's, it felt a lot more accessible. And, and that's marked the beginning of my interest in this, in this form. So cool. It's mm. nice. Were, were there specific type of emotions that you that that mm. you wanted to express through the the poetry at the beginning? Mm, mm. And, oh, great uh, questions. Yeah. I think because I I was an international student, mm-hmm. uh, so uh, emotions that I resonate a lot when I listen to spoken word poetry in the U.S. was uh, the feeling of being an outsider mm-hmm. in American society. Yeah. Uh, right. I mean, I'm very grateful for the opportunities and the. The, the learning environment that I have in the U.S. At the same time, there was certain dynamics that I have to navigate as um, an international student, a yeah. woman, an Asian in that space. And there's certain feeling, you know, of uh, alienations or feeling of not knowing where you actually belong. The uprooting. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. those kinds of stuff. So yeah. the good thing is, is those struggles that actually push me to think more about myself uh, and connect with myself and think about how I related to myself and to the world around me. As I said before that, I just study. <laughs> That's my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I don't really think much about all these like identities or uh, meaning of life and stuff. But being in a different, being in, a, in an environment where I am the foreigner pushed me to explore the questions and I found validations and comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I listen to the poems of mostly, you know, poets of color or female poets, though who share my identities, and they just show me hope that oh, actually, I am not alone in these feelings, and I, I can uh, find a way to share my my voice and connect with others through that media. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I always find it interesting to learn about. Like, I don't, I haven't studied other languages, but I've heard mm-hmm. that, of course, in certain languages there's not a word to express something that isn't in another language mm. so did you find that you were able to express yourself more or in different ways mm. by writing poet do you write poetry in english and vietnamese or one or mm. the other Mm-mm-mm-mm. sorry that was like two questions <laughs> <laughs> well you just touched right on the still crisis of my life <laughs> Wait, is this podcast? Wow, <laughs> great questions. I, to be honest, I am still at at this moment. I still feel more comfortable expressing myself in English, mm-hmm. whether it's speaking or writing. Mm-hmm. I think the main reason is because I moved abroad when I was nineteen. I studied abroad when I was nineteen. Spent most of my, you know, how do you say, like adolescence years. Yeah. You know, the those transformative years where I learned to be aware of myself in an English-speaking environment and I have mm-hmm. to express myself in English. And so just naturally, English became the language that I uh, felt more comfortable being myself, talking about emotions or uh, sharing my opinions or even, mm-hmm. you know, talking about intellectual topics. Right now, I'm still feeling more comfortable in English and most of my writing is also in English. Is, is it also uh, because the older generation does not understand English and it feels maybe more freeing for you to speak English? You mean like my parents? Yeah, your parents or I, I know like there was a there is a rapper in uh, in France that that only raps in English uh, and he said I only rap in English because uh, then my parents won't understand uh, me and I can express myself yeah yeah more yeah why are you already answer for me <laughs> uh, definitely I think uh, I, I always think a lot about the dynamics between English and Vietnamese and I firmly believe that we show different parts of ourselves in different languages sometimes they overlap sometimes they're different and with me Vietnamese is still a very high hierarchical language you know of that course, was the yeah. me in high school and in middle school the me that was that always obey 
as conform to certain social norms. And then in English, I felt more freedom, at least for now, to be myself. At the same time, there's also other things, right? Because I will always be non-native speaker. There's always that feeling of, oh, am I enough for this language? So there's challenges in either languages. But definitely, as you said, right? Sometimes I feel safer to write in English just because I knew that my parents wouldn't know uh, and they wouldn't judge <laughs> or like comment things like, oh, what, are you, what, what did you write? Yeah. However, ever since I move home, I think I, I am like, I'm like a sponge. Like I'm very absorptive mm-hmm. of the things around me. When I was in the U.S., I, I, uh, you know, I, I functioned in English and uh, I felt a lot of inspirations, a lot of desire to write in English. Now that I've been home for like a year more, I started to feel the need to pick up my Vietnamese and to learn how to be more comfortable with that language too. So yeah, it's, it's always, I think it will always be a learning and compromising process until I find a way to resolve it somehow. <laughs> yeah, You're definitely not alone in that situation. I feel mm. like I know a lot of Vietnamese who are in that situation mm. where they like maybe had the chance to live abroad like you and they, mm. they feel some type of connection to mm-hmm. the English language and they're able to like express themselves in a certain way and mm. now they're trying to like you know, reconcile the mm. two cultures. So that's mm. why I brought it up. So mm-hmm. you're definitely like not alone in that. And I mm. think it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. So how about you introduce Wordlust a bit more now? So uh, what is it and how did you get started with that? Okay. I, I hope to create a space for everyone to, you know, sit down, find like kind of like a silent and slow time out of, you know, the hectic life in the city to reconnect with the feelings and thoughts that they have and express that through contemplative and creative practices. So the way I usually construct a workshop is I usually have a process and I will guide everyone through each step. And usually the writing only comes at the very end, like the last 30 minutes or so. Because I firmly believe that the story and everything is already inside everyone. You don't have to... I mean, you do need to learn the techniques and everything, but to me, the important thing is to get that story out through writing practices. And so my job, I never see myself as a teacher in a Willis workshop. I see myself more as a facilitator to put in the necessary catalyst and guide people through the necessary steps so that they can just tap right in where they uh, want to express and then do that through writing. Mm -hmm. So it started purely out of my desire to create a writing community that I once experienced in the U.S. during my time in college and also during the year that I worked in San Francisco. I was able to uh, join a lot of, you know, a group of local writers, like mostly poets, where we just came together, uh, worked on a prompt together, and then share our writing in a very safe and open space. And that I, I really missed that in the U- in the U.S. when I moved home, and that that's why I I was motivated to start Willust. It did change a little bit now compared to my original intentions. I think I was still able to create community, people who who wanted to do something together or who was looking for company to work together. But it's also uh, with the current workshop I was I was put more in the positions of a facilitator. When I was in the US I was mostly just a participant. Mm. So that is something that I had to adjust to as I run Wallace. Mm. 
Yeah, I love that. And I love how in the wordless workshops, like you said, the writing comes at the end and in the beginning there's like meditation mm. and all these different sort of creative exercises to get your the creative juices flowing and like really get into it. So how do you go about planning those mm. activities? Mm -mm -mm. So the way I imagine uh, I always rationalize the process is that it's like a, a filter. Like, so in the beginning, I would create an activity where everyone can, you know, relax and, you know, feel comfortable with the space. It's similar to the way I was trying to put you guys in, in the beginning, right? And then I will do some activity to get people thinking about the topic that we're talking about. And then guiding questions for them to think about it, to, uh, go into the personal experiences or just like dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And so it's like going more narrow, more narrow until the free writing is where they will get the chance to write down anything that they have been thinking throughout the process that I guided before. And then from that free writing, there will be a crystallizations of, you know, whatever they write into a more concrete creative form, like, mm. you know, blackout poetry or cut up poetry. Yeah. How do you choose the topics? I usually, uh, sometimes I try to match it with, you know, important day of the month. So right now the workshop are monthly and every month uh, is a different team. So for example, this month, I mean, last month, October, <laughs> we have Halloween. So the team is fear. Yeah. So they know, they know what's there. <laughs> and then some other months, I just follow <laughs> whatever my, in my intuitions and I my, see. yeah. My body, mind, heart guided me to <laughs> create a workshop about. Yeah. Do you feel like it's therapeutic for you? I, I didn't recognize that, but I think I am coming to terms with it. Mm -hmm. I think the therapeutic effect is definitely one that I did not expect at all mm -hmm. when I started with Lust. The inspiration in the beginning is to create a space where everyone can just be yourself and be expressive. To me, that is the liberating power of of uh, creative writing and poetry in particular. And then as more workshop uh, was organized and then you know, there were people who kept coming back and they started to tell me that, oh, your activities are very therapeutic. And then I realized that, oh, wow, like, because I, cause I was not trained in like, you know, writing therapy or any mm -hmm. clinical therapy. So I, I did not expect that effect. So I think it's basically just a way of phrasing the process of being able to be in touch with yourself and be comfortable to be whoever you are not worrying about being judged when you write or you share mm -hmm. and I have been able to observe that effect on the participants through their sharing through seeing their presence the change in their presence after uh, each workshop and I am also feeling that therapeutic effect on me it gave me a lot more faith and conviction in what I am trying to do yeah. You dropped a few uh, a few keywords where there was like mind, body, and soul. There was a very mm. spiritual aspect to, to mm. what you're doing. And it seems that you have a very big knowledge and, and the meditation that we did mm. at the beginning. Uh, was it something that you were interested in before going to the U.S.? Mm. Or is it something that came with the creative writing? How Because I cause this creative writing brings that spirituality and all that knowledge. Mm. Or were you interested in how mm. did you get to, to mindfulness? Uh, yeah. So it's definitely a learning process. Mm. And... I wouldn't say I'm an expert of anything. I am learning it myself. I am feeling it. Mm -hmm. I am practicing it. And I think every workshop is a space where the facilitator can project yeah, whatever yeah. state you are in 
onto that workshop. Mm. At least that my experience so far. Yeah. Maybe the higher level would be you are able to separate that. I don't know. I, mm. I I don't have a questions to that. But personally, I believe that the workshop in some way is a representation of the facilitator. Of course. And so it's represent the stage I am in right now, being a lot more aware of my the alignment of my you know my body and heart and how mm. that represents through my facilitations and my uh, writing. Mm. The I did not have interest in any of that before I came to the U.S. That I yeah. said. Over and over again, yeah. <laughs> All of this uh, unfolded to me when I was in the U.S. And as I was very lucky to be in a very liberal learning environment, mm-hmm. and I got the chance to try out a lot of things. And I think one good thing is I also did because I didn't have a vocational goal I needed to achieve through my college education. Is that I didn't mm-hmm. have to, you know, study certain subjects to become a professions when I yeah. graduated I I had a lot of fun in choosing classes mm-hmm. during college and mm-hmm. so I as I said like I enjoy a class about you know movement and writing and that that class for example it brought to me the awareness of my body and mm-hmm. how how much I constrained it you know how much I failed to connect with it and the desire that it holds and the wisdom that it has yeah, yeah. and then I also took a course again a creative writing course for non-majors this is at another college but close to my college it's called a mindful poet okay yeah and i think that class is one of the most impactful courses i've ever taken in college we start the class you know every day with like a 10 minutes meditation mm-hmm. and then we share about how we're feeling and we will connect to the team of the class we mm-hmm. do some reading and then um, we produce some writing it's a very safe um, and very uh, comfortable space and I felt like yeah. I the goal of the class is not like oh you would write a poem with perfect ramming or yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's yeah. more it's, it's less about school. the techniques mm-hmm. and it's about yeah. you being able to be yourself in your writing yeah. and I think yeah I think that that course and the, the, the instructor was part of my inspiration yeah uh, yeah, to, feels to, good to express your emotions. Then. <laughs> yeah, for sure. yeah. And so, when you organize these workshops here, mm. what is the difference between like how how, how first like my question is how locals mm. react to it mm. and how is the difference between let's say one local and one foreigner somehow because I guess I mean I don't know actually but are Vietnamese used to to have those activities mm, and, mm, and mm. are they comfortable doing mm. that? So interestingly, most of my workshops so far, both in English and in, I mean, of course in Vietnamese, I still have more locals joining than expats or foreigners. Uh, just Dana. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, have, I have like... Last uh, month was just me. Uh, yeah, usually most workshops I usually have only one or two foreigners. I think mm-hmm. partly maybe because my circle here in Saigon is still mostly local. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's how Lurs is still attracting participants right now through word of mouth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the locals who go to my English workshops, they are, most of them are already comfortable with ex- expressing themselves in English. And I think in that way, they kind of absorb, you know, the freedom of expressions almost in English in a way when you learn the language and so and or or most of them usually have like international experience already so they they were not too uh, foreign with the idea of the the atmosphere of the space and then the one who are locals I think they go mostly in the spirit of checking it out trying a new experience and there might be a demand to you know 
get in touch with themselves through writing too. I think that is almost like a train, a good train mm-hmm. these days where because life is getting more comfortable and so mm-hmm. uh, people, at least those who live in the city, start to care more about their well-being and not just mm-hmm. making ends meet. Yeah. Um, one interesting thing I observe so far is most uh, my, I have more returnees from my English workshops than my Vietnamese workshop. Uh, mm-hmm. So usually my Vietnamese workshop will be newcomers almost every month. But for English, I was able to have a few people who keep coming back. Uh, mm-hmm. Dana is one example. Uh, so I, yeah, I really don't know why. It's, it's, a, it's a puzzle that I'm still figuring out. Yeah. yeah. I think in observation, if I can observe all of this, there is a, there is a big talk about identity in all of this and i i'm not i'm not surprised that people are coming back to be speaking english in a way because they it comes back to that freedom of expression and i think there is a big desire here in vietnam to be able to express in general and so like you're you're definitely giving an outlet that is quite and were you surprised about that actually like that you attract this type of uh, profiles is that the, the people you were targeting initially I honestly didn't have any target in mind. Like, I didn't start this as a business, you know. I just like, whoever interested, please come. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And I wouldn't say I'm surprised or if anything, I'm grateful for whatever presence that is there with Woodlust. I am still, I'm still observing and, 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 and understanding more about what type of people are interested how's your, to how's, our workshops. How was the experience for you to transition between being just a participant in the U.S. to mm. now... Uh, a guide and uh, uh, do you feel like there is a different energy or it's, definitely it's, definitely yeah. I mean I always felt in the the first few workshops because I was adapting to this new role mm-hmm. with more responsibility I would say I to be honest sometimes I walked out of the workshop or even though everyone gave me very good feedback I yeah. felt a little bit exhausted yeah sure. like I carried a space for everyone yeah. and so I have to think a lot about okay How do I receive? Right? I give a lot, so how do I receive to balance the energy? And also, how do I uh, carry myself in the workshop so that I also do not over um, exert myself? Uh, yeah. So then, my my leading question is because <laughs> for you to create the word loss was was a way for you to recreate that safe space, but in a way you created a safe space for others mm-hmm. since you now have to be the mm-hmm. one giving the energy. So. Where is your safe space now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think, as I said, I was in the beginning, right? Yeah. When I was getting used to that new role. Um, mm-hmm. However, I mean, until now, I have led probably almost 10 workshops, okay. maybe more. And I am adapting to it. I think I'm That's able good. to adapt to the energy of someone who carries other. Mm-hmm. And I also learned to receive through the responses of other. And Wallace is still a safe space for me in the sense that I was able to you know, implement a lot of my idea and carry a lot of my desire to to serve others and to connect with others through writing. And it's also helped me validate a lot what I hope to do, which is to bring creative writing and contemplative practices together. Contemplative and, practices. Yeah, like meditations okay, or, yes, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, all the, all mindfulness, embodiment, yeah, mindfulness, yeah, yeah, yeah. the kinds of stuff. Um, And yeah, so in that space, and everyone is always willing to join with me. Mm-hmm. I usually did not have a lot of resistance in the workshop. Everyone was very welcome, very brave, very willing to join in. And I am taking that as a way to receive energy back from others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
good. Would you ever start to train others on how to lead the workshop Mm -hmm. as a way to like scale and so that you could kind of relax a bit? Yeah, definitely. That if anyone is interested, (laughs) (laughs) I was gonna say because I'm like I I want to do that. (laughs) Yeah, because um, it's uh, that's actually one of my if anything is the most urgent thing I would love to work on for Wordlust in addition to to just running the usual workshops because mm-hmm. uh, everything right now is on me. The content always comes from me and there will be a time when I run out of idea. Mm-hmm. And it's always better with the team. Yeah. <laughs> and it's also feel, and then, you know, cause I always look for impact. And I think one way to scale the impact, as Lena said, is to try more people in this. Mm-hmm. And that's also another way of creating community. Yeah, so I, I'm definitely looking for people. If you guys know any or if you're interested, please let me know because uh, it's been really hard for me to find someone who, who are able to facilitate. I, I saw a lot of potential participants, yeah. but uh, I haven't been able to find many uh, people who are willing and ready or want to be in the positions of a facilitator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like in, yeah. My, in my coaching, I've, because in the traditional sense, coaching is very like you you ask a question and you let them talk and talk mm-hmm. and talk. And I actually tried the other day to do more of a meditation part, like a guided meditation mm-hmm. part first with them. And then I used like the free flow writing activity. And then I just had them share what they wrote down. And it was way more impactful of a coaching session. Like we got to such a deeper space in that one hour than I ever had with just a regular talking at the conscious level, like question and answer. And it was way more fun. I I felt actually more energized after that than I normally do because I, I really enjoy guiding people through meditation. It's therapeutic for me. And I felt more energized rather than I feel like with the questions that drains my energy. I had a question for Dana, actually. It's like, so what strikes you when you participate to this workshop? Mm. Like, what did you actually like and remember now? Yeah, so the first one I went to, so the whole reason I went was because I was actually feeling really out of touch with my creativity. I was feeling very, like, I was, I was on social media a lot trying to have my coaching business on social media and everything and just feeling really bombarded with everyone else's content and ideas. And I just felt like I couldn't connect with my own creativity anymore. And interestingly, the, the first one that I went to, the topic was about finding a lost part of yourself. And so reconnecting with a part of your identity or who you are that has been lost. So we went through these activities where you had to write down all your insecurities and then we ripped them up. And everyone, we kind of go around the table and everyone shares what they wrote down. So you have that element of connecting with other people in terms of like, oh, you have that insecurity? Me too. And you just realize that like we all have basically the same insecurities mm-hmm. and yeah and then just the other activities we went through and then the final sort of writing activity it came out came up for me that I really missed photography I used to be really into mm-hmm. photography when I was younger and I loved my photography class in high school and then the next day I went for a walk and took a bunch of pictures <laughs> and I was like whoa oh my god so it's inspiring uh, actions as well right yeah that's great yeah, and I, what I've noticed as well is that I've noticed some people will come in and they're clearly 
very shy and uncomfortable to share. But then gradually as time passes and as other people share, it seems like they open up, they break out of their shell. And I always, I really like to see that too. It's nice. Yeah. And so, Jen, did you also had such feedbacks from other attendees? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, very similar. I think what people appreciate is just a space to sit down. <laughs> be with themselves yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. in the company of other people do something together and think about their life mm -hmm. uh, and where they are and everything and I think that plus what you just said about what Dana said about people opening up more I think that was also a change I seen myself when I moved to the US how I felt more comfortable talking about myself open up and mm -hmm share I, I saw the value in sharing because there's always at least one person who resonate with my stories mm -hmm. and that feeling of being seen and heard and recognized by another person is uh, super powerful and that is what I want to replicate in the space of Wallace. Why, why do you think it is that when you went to the US you felt more able to open up Mm, I think I, I have to learn. I have to learn. Partly because, you know, it's the American culture where everyone is encouraged to talk. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and I went to a liberal arts college with a very small size classroom. Mm -hmm. So, and it's, and it's, I, and I study sociology. So our, our classes are very discussions based. My first year, I had a lot of cultural shock in relation to that. I felt very, um, bad not being able to express myself, not talking much, being the silent one in the class. And so it was like a, a bomb that I had to uh, get through. But once I was able to overcome that, I I just regained stronger sense of uh, belief in myself in a way because, you know, I got in touch with my voice and I knew that my voice mattered. I knew that my story mattered. And gradually that just gave me more confidence to, to share. I am... Um... I'm always the person in the group that asks the question about relationship with the family. So <laughs> I, will, I will go on and ask. Yeah, I have she grabbed me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Her. yeah I, 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 but in a way, I, I have a very similar uh, story because I, I grew up in France mm. from Vietnamese parents and I went to uh, my, I was an international student in Canada. Mm. And the sense of freedom that you're talking about, I, I, I feel like I, I can resonate with it. And for me, it was because I was so far away from my family and suddenly I could live. <laughs> I feel like the like the audience that listening to us, uh, and that's why I'm the family guy. I, I like to ask, how was your relationship with your family, your parents, especially before leaving Vietnam while you were away? And how is it now? Mm. You know, because I feel like there is some synchronicity in <laughs> Wow, I love these questions. <laughs> uh, this is what last, but like, you know, verbally. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't say it has changed a lot, to be honest. To be honest, I, I, I think I just, what changed is that I am more aware of the essence of our dynamics. I, I understand it more. My, I, I would say very frankly that I am not close to my parents in the sense that, you know, I can share with them my personal things. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they don't even understand what wordless is or what am I doing. But I, what I truly appreciate and from my parents is that they, uh, no matter how little they know about what I want or what I do, 
they give me the space and freedom to do it. Even though they may be very worried that I'm going off the conventional track. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, when I decided to take a gap year between high school and university, uh, being schoolist for <laughs> yeah. a few months, uh, they were very worried. But yeah, yeah. they, at least they, I am aware that they they hid it from me because they wanted to give me the space to act on what I believe in. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the one dynamic between us that remain until now. Uh, and I'm just becoming more grateful of that. Mm-hmm. During my time in college, same thing they didn't, I mean, they, my dad was able to spell sociology uh, <laughs> on the, he wrote it on the board when he came to my graduations. And oh, I was like, ah, yeah. oh, even though I don't think he know what that major <laughs> is. <laughs> no, I think he had no idea what that major is. Yeah. And my mom, she still, She's yeah. She still had no idea what I study and what I am doing right now. She keeps yeah. saying that oh, whenever my friend asks me what you're doing, I'm just like I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that that there will always be that distance between us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at this very moment, I come to terms with the fact that I will respect that space, that distance, and I will see it as a blessing uh, mm-hmm. that they uh, they will that that, that they allow me to do yeah. uh, to live my life sometimes they might still you know invade that distance a little bit like yeah. oh i want you to be like like to do certain things uh accidentally i think because you know our parents are also under a lot of social pressure, pressure of course, yeah, yeah you know like uh, but they were never against you yeah uh, this yeah. is one of the things that we want to make sure the audience understand in, in the in, in everybody that we interview mm. the relationship with the with the parents is Because, for example, for me, most of the time, my parents were against me. Mm. And it, it influences a lot the success of the kid later on. Mm. And then, like, you had the support. Maybe they didn't understand fully, mm. you know, like what mm. you were doing. Mm. But they were never against you. And that allowed you to experiment mm. and to, to be free of your mm. choices. And that's mm. quite important. Mm. And, uh, mm. yeah. Which influenced the success of it's uh, it's I would say indirectly and directly influencing like what for example me every choices that I made my mm-hmm. father was kind of against it or I was never good enough and it it plays a subconscious mm-hmm. game in your head that goes mm-hmm. like I don't want to try anything because it's mm-hmm. too dangerous I don't want to mm-hmm. and then you get scared and then all those mm-hmm. insecurities are being fed by those words the why can't you be like the cousin or why can't you be a doctor mm-hmm. and so. Uh, for me, it was a it was a huge thing. To um, every time I coach or I talk to people or I help, I try to find out if their parents were against understanding at least or supportive. Mm, mm. Most of the time, we realize that you know, like if you had supportive parents, usually you were more likely to experiment a lot more in life. The interesting though, I I, I also have that feeling of not feeling enough, even yeah, yeah. though I I do have the support. Yeah, yeah. The, sure. the silent support, mm-hmm. I would say, at my parents. Yeah. So I would say there's also other factors. There's that, definitely that other factors. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm yeah. the one that looks at the family part, but then the, I can, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. You know, so society gives us so many factors to be mm-hmm. secure about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I'm really impressed, actually. Yeah. Like, I think you are really grateful for, you know, like the, the transformation you've made. I think you are, you know, the main actor in your own story, but at the same time, Instead of just, you know, bragging around, like you're really grateful for what's happening. Mm-hmm. One thing about, you know, like you said, from the beginning, it has changed. What I can tell you is your ideas and your services and everything you are doing now will keep evolving mm-hmm. the same way you are evolving. So mm-hmm. best of luck with all these changes yeah. and, and I guess yeah. the, the best 
is to come as well. Maybe one of the last questions. I have so many questions for you. We can talk after. <laughs> But like, so, because you've been back for about a year and a half, you said. How has it been? <laughs> is there some of the insecurities that you thought you'd lost in the US that crippled back? And how are you handling all of this, mm. basically? I think there's two outstanding feelings. One is after a year and a half now, I do feel like I feel like I'm a tree that finally kept taking roots, you know. So, mm -hmm. and I'm like branching out. Okay. So I am adapting back to the way of life here. I'm forming circles of friends that share my interests and that allow me to feel supported. Uh, so that is a good thing. Yeah. Um, I'm feeling more grounded in my presence here in the city. The other part is still that nagging feeling of you know in between space where mm -hmm. you don't like the way i talk and the way i think some with some people it will be too westernized for yeah, example yeah. or they sudden like it's funny because in the u.s i feel like oh i'm so vietnamese <laughs> when i'm back here i'm like oh man yeah, i'm more westernized i'm more americanized than i than i realize yeah. <laughs> you know yeah so yeah. i'm exploring that through my writing and uh -huh. i'm also learning to come to terms with it there would be moments of you know loneliness or not sure. really because i i was hoping that when i was home like i wouldn't have that feeling i think that's like the subconscious assumptions course, that i yeah, had uh, <laughs> yeah but of course it's life never as you thought it would be so i am i am working through it yeah ultimately though i i think i do have a goal in terms of that to work towards is to find a home within myself uh, yeah. so that no matter where i go i wouldn't i get the struggle with the sense of belonging would yeah. be uh, a lot clearer Do you do this full time, or do you have something else on the side to sustain? Yeah, yourself? actually, yeah. You just pointed the big elephant in the room, which is the financial security. Yeah. Um, so I'm still, you know, I think that's just made. I don't know if it's an Asian mentality, but no matter what I do, I still have to make sure that I can financially take care of myself in a way. Yeah, yeah. And your parents? My parents are okay right now. They just mm. want me to take care of myself first. Yeah. <laughs> for now, for now, for now. For now. <laughs> so I teach. As I say, uh, oh, yeah, part time, uh, and then I'm doing what list, and I'm also spending. I I been spending more time to invest in my writing, because as I say, you know, running what list is a way to give and to share my practice. But I also need to keep working on my own craft and my own practices. Otherwise, I would feel like a hypocrite in the room doing all these activities. I've been being more intentional in spending time to work on my writing. Yeah, yeah, very good. Is there any spoken poetry in Saigon? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I, I did once. I performed poetry once in the city. It's actually at the Hive. Okay. Yeah, right here. It's been there, yeah. The Hive yeah. Taudian. Okay, yeah, we, uh -huh. yeah. Uh, but that was when the, the manager of the space, she was really in interested in poetry, and then she organized that one. But I think it's the first and also the last. Yeah. <laughs> After that, I haven't, yeah, I hadn't, I haven't found any space. Uh, I think I yeah. think there is one. I think it's like a bar, but there is a, a scene and they do mm. improv. Mm. So I'm sure they somehow mm. would be, you know, mm, mm, mm. it's called WAM W A M. Okay, okay, mm. I check it out. Yeah, it's excited. Uh, I mean, hosting an open mic has always been my dream too. So mm. maybe that's something I want to work towards for 2021. 
Yes, I fully support that idea. (laughs) Sending that message out to the universe, (laughs) to you guys. Through the podcast too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The law of attraction. Yeah, Yeah, so whoever listens, if you are interested in that, for sure. Yeah, I really feel like I feel like you've found such a a niche that is really needed here. This this creativity and especially the therapeutic aspect of it and like the self awareness aspect of it. It seems to me, and the the expression that it's something that's really needed here in Vietnam, and it would be even more amazing to bring that spoken word poetry out here too. So I'm so excited to see where all this goes for you, and thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. I know that people listening, it will really help them and inspire them as well. So anyone listening, you should definitely try out one of these wordless workshops. I know that you will come back again and again, like me. <laughs> I want to go, actually. I want to go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. next month. Absolutely. So <laughs> we will for sure put your I information recommend. in our description and you know share with them the links and everything. So that'll be available. Um, thank yeah. you. Thank wow. You. Thank so you for much. all the... Uh, I Just this opportunity itself is another confirmation. I take it as the, a motivation for me to continue what I'm doing. Thank you so much for listening to Creators in Saigon. If you liked this episode, become a part of our mission to inspire others by leaving a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts and sharing this episode with your friends on social media. This one small act can truly make a difference in someone's life. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and see you next time.